I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi. Hello. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics of the 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Emily Beijing. And I am your other host, Margot Poupard. Programming blocks. I mean, what a thing, right? Like it's, it, this is a concept that when you try to explain it to a younger person, a Gen Zer or below, it's it's like kind of hard to imagine because one streaming right that just like totally changes everything you are no longer beholden to watching a show on a certain day of the week um and two i just don't think that uh networks are as committed to having a two-hour block that has a theme tied to it you might have like one or two sitcoms that are of similar themes but it's just not where it was barring a few exceptions i mean like have you ever tried to explain this to a younger person, Margot? Like once upon a time, you kind of committed to watching two hours of television on any given night. What and in, that real, in, for- in real time with real commercials, time. <laughs> like you're watching it in linear time space, which is so weird. No, I haven't had to explain network TV box to a child recently, but I did have to explain what a VCR was on Sunday to kids. Oh my God. And that was very oh, right. difficult. It was a tough pill to swallow because all the being like, yeah, I think my great grandma once had a, <laughs> a VCR. And then one kid's like, yeah, my dad loves his VCR. And then went on to describe a DVD player. And I was like, oh, no, I've got so oh, much no. work to do because we showed them and all of that sketch, <laughs> uh, the repair man, man, man sketch. And he repairs a VCR. And like we were talking about the themes of the sketch. And then finally, I got up the nerve to be like, do you guys know what a VCR is anyway? They're like, no, nah, but we get like the gist of it. They're like, you put like an old tape in it and then like its guts come out. I was like, oh no. You know, when you bring this up, I realize there's a whole market of things that like kids will just never know. One, VCR. And then two, if you had friends who were rich, they had a rewinding machine. We did not have this in my house, but like I knew people who had a separate machine to rewind their movies so that they could quickly watch another movie and not have to wait for it to rewind like that was modern convenience in 1996 baby 
I remember seeing those at a blockbuster and being like, wow, that's like magic. <laughs> like you can just put a tape in there and it rewinds it for you automatically. I don't know if I knew anybody that had a rewinder growing up, but um, having the dual VCR where you can like record something, like you can oh, do like, a tape, like that yes. was the fancy, like people's like friends' dads who were like tech nerds. So they're like really into photography or whatever now and they're like closer to retiree ages. But their tech nerd was all about like optimizing their VCR and <laughs> being able to record things like crisply and doing tape to tape transfers like all in house. Like there's some sort of one hour photo it was that was funny to me and i had one friend's dad who had a laser disc player oh and my he's, god he was convinced that was gonna come back around and we watched the exorcist on laser disc <laughs> so we never had a laser disc player or a re- rewinding machine but in college uh i took a women in opera class um as, to fulfill like a gender studies requirement that i had because i went to a liberal arts school and a lot of the performances we watched were old, like Met performances from the 80s and 90s, and they were all on Laserdisc. And so we watched a bunch of Met opera Laserdiscs. Like, I don't know if the Met made a lot of money off these Laserdiscs or anything, but like, for I can't some imagine reason, that they did. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But my college, for whatever reason, had a collection of Met opera Laserdiscs. More impressive than that, your liberal arts college had a Laserdisc player. Let's just take a second to like take that in really quick. It just tells you that like uh, public education in Virginia, you have great colleges. Unfortunately, funding continues to get cut. (laughs) (laughs) And now that we've Uh, walked down defunct ways of watching Media Lane. (laughs) I mean, so so back to the programming blocks of it all. So they existed long before the two topics that we're going to talk about today, which are must-see TV and TGIF, and even before TV. So you had like radio, for example, does this all the time. Back in the day when you had like radio programs and soaps on any given evening, they would kind of package those together into a programming block. And even today, in regards to music, you'll listen to a radio station that might have like a disco Saturday night, you know, three hour block or throwback hour. But programming blocks in regards to TV actually get their start on cable television more than network, especially back when cable television was still finding its footing in the 80s and 90s pre-original programming. So while networks would have, you know, special nights for things, they weren't properly branded, quote unquote, if you will, unlike what we're going to talk about later. Um, You might remember like Nickelodeon did this a lot in the 80s and 90s with Nick Jr. in the morning, which was for small children, and then Nick at night in the evening, which aired reruns of classic sitcoms. And what's interesting with these two is they actually ended up spinning off their own networks, Nick Jr. and TV Land. But programming blocks are a really integral part of how TV stations schedule their lineups to gain loyal viewers and maybe bump up ratings of shows in the hopes of pairing them after maybe a popular show, hoping that they'll gain an audience or some footing. um, So they'll, you know, maybe bring in a popular show to boost the ratings of some newer or slumping ones. And they're also used to attract advertisers. So Saturday morning cartoons are a great example. You'll want to market a toy or a cereal. That's going to be in the programming block um, that you want to buy ad space for is going to be that Saturday morning. So today we're going to talk about probably two of the most popular programming blocks ever, if not the most, the two most popular of the 1990s, uh, Must See TV and TJIF. Uh, before we get into Must See TV, Margot, do you have any thoughts, comments? I 
really loved must-see TV. I kind of miss having program television. Yeah. Because, like, right now when you're between shows and there isn't really – I think maybe White Lotus is, like, the closest that we have to, like – I won't say monoculture, but like the show that every predominantly a lot of people are watching, despite the fact that I don't think it has great ratings. I think that's one thing that has kind of become apparent over time is like most talked about and highly rated are not synonymous anymore as they used to be during these big blocks that we had uh, back in the 90s with TGIF and Must TV. Like Must TV like absolutely dominated the ratings for almost 10 years across the board. I mean, I think overall we've seen sort of the decline in NBC's popularity or even like the public at large, like kind of trusting them for programming, uh, for programming like large blocks, as you can tell, like, because I just think that their scheduling right now is kind of like all over the place. And the biggest thing that they offer is like that Chicago franchise, like Chicago Med, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, whatever they all are. I'm and glad so to- I just miss having a sort of centralized thing that we're all kind of watching and talking about with and I know that we get it every once in a while with like a Netflix show or like an HBO show but there isn't really a time and a place that everybody's watching stuff and I and I miss kind of like the water cooler moments because everything in the burning car crash that is Twitter now you could sometimes go there to find out like what everybody's watching but now I feel like everybody's like in so many disparate corners of the internet watching different things that you come to a show mm-hmm. like 4 years late And you have no one to talk to about it. So you got to like go back in like the vulture archives to have any sort of semblance of a conversation. And I think that that's just missing from programming in general. And that's one thing that we used to get out of it by having like these blocks of TV. Like I'll never forget when TGIF got interrupted for the OJ car chase. I remember trying to pick up the phone to call Cassandra and like complain. But our parents were already on the phone talking about OJ and just being like, how dare they take away Corey and Topanga <laughs> on this formative day? Everyone knows that Friday is Boy Meets World Day. And I don't give a shit if this man murdered anybody. All I care about is seeing <laughs> Corey and Topanga possibly smooch. And please show me my boy, Ryder Strong, right now. Like, So, <laughs> so I, I miss having like appointment television. We just don't have it anymore. It's and I think maybe so- awards kind of dictated a little bit. But, you know, not everybody kind of pays attention to that stuff. So everything's pretty like siloed. You've you've brought up a lot of great points. I think there's kind of two things here. One, there's some the only kind of good that comes out of this is that I think a lot of really niche shows that may have not had an audience otherwise get to be discovered and find mm-hmm. their audience thanks to streaming and having like a myriad of options to uh, have this show featured in some way, shape, or form. But to your point, I think that um, having cultural discourse at a certain point in time has long disappeared. I think the holdout from this, and you brought up HBO, that's a great example. I think we we talked about HBO in a previous episode recently where their decision to air um, House of Dragon, for example, on Sunday nights is making people, you know, watch it on that night, on Sunday night, so that on Monday, Monday you have that water cooler TV where you or water cooler moment where you can kind of talk about what happened on the show. Or you don't get accidentally spoiled either. Exactly. There's sort of that, that urgency too. as well around it. And you and we were talking about Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones, House of Dragon being aired on Sundays and it being kind of more successful in terms of having people talk about it or have it be buzzy versus Power of the Rings, which was released on Fridays, Fridays. which kind of made it like made it difficult for the show to kind of find a foothold, like other than within pretty loyal Lord of the Rings fans. So yeah. that was kind of tough. Whereas like I think House of Dragon, even people who didn't watch Game of Thrones were like, oh, fuck it. Everybody else is watching it. So I might as well check it out. 
No, and you bring up another point with the Fridays of it all, I, and I'll get into it more when I talk about TJF, but like what's interesting is how the shift has gone from Friday having been – wasn't a night where people stayed home for 10 – TV then became a night where people stayed home from TV for TV now no longer a night where people stay home for TV um but more on that later <laughs> well to that end Thursday night has always kind of been that girl which we will get into as I talk a little bit more about musty TV but just a little bit of like an origin story about how musty TV came to be that was not intentionally meant to rhyme but here we are the advertising slogan with CTV was used by NBC in the 90s for their Thursday night lineup primarily, but the network didn't coin the phrase until 1993 after they had a bunch of mega hits in the 80s like The Cosby Show, Cheers, Family Ties. The must-see slogan was created by Dan Holm. He was an NBC promotional producer, which means that he makes all of like the little interstitial commercials that you watch on NBC. They don't air on other broadcast networks, but they're just in-house, in-house for lack of a better term. Anyway, he created that during a promo brainstorming session in June of 93 at NBC's HQ in Burbank, and branding for their Thursday night fall lineup began in earnest, though in 1982, when they were trying to promote Fame, Cheers, Taxi, and Hill Street Blues as, quote, America's best night of television on television. So you could see there's lots of room for improvement there in the 80s <laughs> from America's best night of television on television, which is just like, Huh? I, I And it's so wordy. I have no idea. Like a slogan should not be nine no. words long or whatever. <laughs> I know no. that's not nine words, nine words long. But Messy TV, though, originally applied to sitcoms only. Dramas would then be promoted like outside of that separately with a different tagline. So for much of the 90s, the phrase was actually used, though, several nights a week as a way to extend the brand. So at one point in the fall of 1997, Mussy TV was used five nights a week with four sitcoms a night from Monday to Thursday and two on Sunday. NBC would later adopt a more common interpretation like Must See TV Tuesday. Do you remember that? Like when they would be like Must See TV Tuesday and it would be like a couple of comedies and it would be yeah. like a compliment to Thursdays? Yes. Yes, of course. But back to my earlier point about Thursday always being that girl. Historically, Thursday nights have always been very coveted by advertisers because a large portion of young, affluent viewers like to watch TV on Thursday nights. Movie advertisers in particular really like to promote their upcoming releases that come out on Fridays to their target demographic on Thursday night in hoping of converting, you know, butts into seats on theaters. So in pop culture, the phrase must-see TV is most commonly associated with NBC's entire Thursday night lineup. More to the point, NBC's overall dominance of Thursday nights from 1982 onwards. Must-see TV made its first appearance in an NBC promo in August of 1993 and included the day of the week, must-see TV Thursday. Must-see TV was leveraged by NBC to get viewers to tune in to to an hour prior on Thursday nights with Seinfeld. And so they created Messy TV as a way to brand this block of comedy. The advertisement ended with the sentence, get home early for Messy TV Thursday. And it was a ploy to get everybody to pay attention to Jerry Seinfeld. But the first Messy TV block promo aired in late summer and it was repeats and promoted with Mad About You, Wings, and then the two newcomers, Seinfeld and Frasier. The tagline continued for every NBC Thursday night comedy promo block through the 1993-1994 fall television series to promote the 8 to 10 block. On November 3rd, 1994, Thursday night lineups, this is something that I actually do miss. So in 1994, they decided to do a, a promo stunt to uh, promote their Thursday night block, and it was called Blackout Thursday, in which three of the four sitcoms on their must-see TV night included a power outage in New York. 
the stunt started with Mad About You in their episode oh my called God. Pandora's yes. Box. Yes. And <laughs> Jamie Buckman, Helen Hunt, accidentally causes a blackout while trying to steal cable. It then continued into the Friends episode called The One with the Blackout, featuring a sub subplot which Chandler and which Chandler Bing is trapped in an ATM vestibule with Victoria's secret model Jill Goodacre and ends with Madman of the People episode Birthday in the Big House. The Seinfeld episode that followed Friends and preceded Mad Men was the gymnast and didn't have a blackout storyline, although it was promoted as part of the event. So, of course, <laughs> Seinfeld is the one that had to go against the grain. Do you remember the blackout episode block? Yes, I completely remember this, of course, especially the the Friends episode, because we had every single Friends season DVD. Oh, um, my sister. Yeah, my sister was really into Friends. And so um, she got them over the years. Uh, and so we watched them a lot at certain points in like high school or in early college. And um yeah, that episode still to this day, like Chandler trying to mouth to Joey that he on the payphone that he's in a vestibule of the ATM with Jill Goodacre, uh, still like seared in my mind. Well, it was such a success. They continued with the slogan, Mussy TV. And in the next season, Frasier and Wings were moved to Tuesday nights and NBC expanded their Mussy TV brand to include the Tuesday night comedy block called Mussy TV Tuesday. Around this time, Thursday's Messy TV block acquired two new hits, Friends, which became television's biggest, second biggest comedy, only behind Seinfeld. So they have two of the biggest comedies on the same night on the same network and ER, which became their number one television drama, which is also kind of a comedy, especially in its later years, because, you know, one thing about me, you know, I love the episode of ER where a helicopter targets a doctor. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, look up YouTube or YouTube um, ER helicopter doctor crash and really just just sit back and have a good laugh. Anyway, Seinfeld and ER would end up battling for the following four seasons for the honor of number one show before Seinfeld ended its run in 1998. So just a few must-see TV hits because from 1995 to 2006, NBC's Thursday Night Block not only had the number one watch show of the season, they also had shows that were always in the top 10 most watched shows of the season. So here are a few. Here are the number ones of the season. It goes Seinfeld ER Friends. Now the top 10 most watched programs, and some of these you might not even recognize. I know I don't. Seinfeld, Friends, Just Shoot Me, Union Square, I don't know her, Frasier, no. Caroline in the City, Leap yes. of Faith, Unclear who that is. Will and Grace, Veronica's Closet, ER, Jesse, The Single Guy, Boston Commons, The Naked Truth, Fired Up. <laughs> Don't know any of those gals, but I'm sure they were great. They were obviously good enough to be in the top 10. Is it because of the block that they were on and maybe not necessarily based on their merits since I don't remember them? Uh, possibly, but who's to say for sure? But like all good things, must-see TV must come to an end. And by the early 2000s, must-see TV's stranglehold was loosening its grip. The tagline wasn't really getting used in promos, and NBC lost their top spot to, in this order, CBS, ABC, and Fox. Because they never developed replacements for their major long-running hits like Friends, Seinfeld, Will & Grace, etc., they were sort of, um... Struggling at this point. After airing a two-hour comedy block on Thursday for 21 seasons straight, NBC broke the tradition in 2004 by replacing the 9 p.m. hour with the hour-long reality competition program that ruined our lives, The Apprentice. Mussy TV then reappeared briefly in 2006 when they decided to add two critically and ratings successful comedies, My Name is Earl in the Office, and NBC attempted to reestablish their four sitcom block after the rise and fall of The Apprentice, which was then moved to Monday nights. 
In November of 2006, NBC rebranded the Thursday format with a different slogan called Comedy Night Done Right. Do you remember that that rebrand? Yes. Yes, definitely. And that's probably because they had two critically acclaimed shows, Scrubs and 30 Rock, that were doing pretty well. And they added them to the lineup, forming a lineup of comedy series without laugh tracks or multicam setups that was probably most common that you would see during the musty TV comedy heyday, which I didn't really realize, but kind of makes a ton of sense now. Like it just sort of like naturally evolved in the comedy genre. In January of 2011, NBC rebranded the night once again, renaming it Comedy Night Done Right hyphen or M dash all night, adding a third hour of comedies at the 10 p.m. slot. NBC used to only have a three hour block of comedies annually as a programming stunt, but the three hour comedy block was discontinued in the fall of 2011 when the night reverted back to two hours of comedies and one hour of drama. And in 2012, two hours of comedy and The Rock Center with Brian Williams. That's oh my God, I forgot about that. About harbinger of the end times. <laughs> Seriously. And what's crazy is now when looking back, I mean, what he did was not great, but like in terms of newscasters who've done terrible things, like <laughs> he is NBC specifically. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's just say, uh, given our last few episodes and what we've talked about, like I, I think the Williams uh, scandal of it all has uh, declined in terms of those rankings. Talk about a man who actually could read the room and was like, oh, okay, and I'm out. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Here's my daughter. I don't know. She's going to be in M3 and bye. <laughs> so prior to the 2013 fall season, NBC canceled and or ended nine of its 11 comedies, including the long-running 30 Rock in the office, in an effort to broaden their comedy lineup. Oh, boy. And so here comes here comes where it gets a little shaky. In May of 2013, NBC picks up three soon-to-be-flop family comedies, The Michael J. Fox Show, Sean Saves the World, and Welcome to the Family, and rebranded its Thursday night lineup as NBC's new family of comedies for the fall season. They de- the debut of The Michael J. Fox Show was the lowest-rated Thursday fall comedy series premiere in network history. One week later, the debut of Welcome to the Family became the new record holder, followed closely behind with Sean Saves the World. In October 2013, NBC tied for an all-time low on Thursday night on Thursday nights, finishing in fourth place, or a combined with programming on Spanish language network television, Univision, along with Thursday Night Football on the NFL Network and the Major League Baseball playoff coverage on TBS for seventh. And it gets so much worse. In November of that year, NBC averaged up 1.0 in the programming for adults in the 18 to 49 bracket, which is like the main demo that all advertisers are pitching to. And it was its lowest ever in-season average for regularly scheduled programming on the night. For comparison, the CW defeated NBC's comedy block, a first for the CW network. Oh, God. Eventually, all three shows, The Michael J. Fox Show, Welcome to the Family, and Sean Saves the World were all canceled. But Welcome to the Family was pulled after three episodes into its first season, while Michael J. Fox Show and Sean Saves the World were dropped shortly before the 2014 Winter Olympics. In the case of The Michael J. Fox Show, this was despite NBC giving it a 22-episode order for the season. They just sort of paid the penalty fee and were like, no, we'd rather just cancel you, which is bleak. They were then replaced yeah. by the critically acclaimed, although very low-rated Thursday Night Mainstays, Community, and Parks and Rec in January of 2014, and it was joined by Hollywood Game Night in late February. For their fall 2014 schedule, okay, have, this is going to be fun. I, I wonder if you remember the sh- either of these two short-lived comedies. In the fall of 2014, they reduced the amount of comedies to just one hour, which is just 
again, another like, oh, it's, it gets bleaker with yeah. the biggest loser taking the 8 p.m. slot, then followed by, tell me if you remember either of these comedies, Bad Judge and A to Z. I remember A to Z because it starred Chris, Kristen Milotti, right? Am yes. I making that up? Yes. And then um, what's his face from, from Mad Men? From Mad Men and Superstore. Oh, sure. Um, ben Feldman. Ben Feldman. Both two people who for many years they've tried to make sitcoms around who are both good, by the way. It's not, there are some people who were just like, stop trying to make fetch happen. But with these two, I would say with Kristen Milotti, especially these are two individuals who have, you know, time and time again, sadly been, you know, canceled on the various shows they've been on. A to Z was also Rashida Jones's show uh, with her producing oh. partner, Will McCormick, I think is his last yes. name. Yes, yes. And it was like a rom-com about, you know, his name is Adam and her name is Zoe. And I, I remember them promoting it and just being like, guys, I, I don't I don't know if this is going to work. And guess what? It didn't work. And this <laughs> but, is fresh off the heels of her being on How I Met Your Mother as the mother. Like they right, had and, just ended on CBS. he was coming off of like the huge critically acclaimed success of Mad Men, who was just like winning Emmys, like left, right and center. And like everybody loved him as I'm totally blinking on his name. But the dude was like in love with Peggy and chopped off his own nipples. Like they were everybody loved (laughs) Ben Feldman. Yeah. And similar to Ben Feldman, the guy who plays Not Great Bob also had like, remember that fucking show where he was like Vincent Vincent Carthizer. No, the Bob. Bob. Oh, Bob. I know. Yes. He, he had, had one, another like, one. Or, ordinary Joe or whatever, where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a guitar player. I'm a doctor. Yes. I'm yes. I don't even remember. Like, would I meet? It's like sliding doors for men. It was very strange. He's had a couple of other shows, too, that I failed. Like, that's not the first one, I feel like. I don't think so either, but that was the NBC one that I could remember yep. because for whatever, it must have been during the Olympics or something that I saw a trailer for it or maybe the Super Bowl and just been like, what? Who's this for? Also, what's this even about? <laughs> anyway, Bad Judge and A to Z were also paired with the final season of Parenthood, which was like a very well-received drama that had Lauren Graham in it. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. They also announced the breakout drama The Blacklist would take the 9 p.m. slot at the mid at the midseason break following the Super Bowl, hinting at the end of NBC's Thursday night comedy tradition. By December of 2014, NBC announced their midseason schedule and three dramas were scheduled on Thursday to compete with ABC. This is the first time NBC had not aired comedies on a Thursday night since 1981, which put the must-see TV label on hiatus for three years. The final episodes of Parks and Rec were sort of punted to Tuesdays and possibly an attempt to burn off the last 13 episodes. In May of 2016, NBC announced the return of Thursday night comedies for the 2016-2017 season with the returning comedy Superstore, new comedy The Good Place, for the first time in two years. The network also began to broadcast the second half of Thursday night football season along with like the NFL Network in November, effectively breaking those shows' seasons into half seasons. So basically, they were paired with something they weren't confident would make them add dollars or something that was like a bonafide bet, which is the NFL. Whatever you got to do to make those dollars and keep the NBC lights on, I suppose. By 2017, NBC announced the return of Mussy TV branding with the reboot of Will and Grace and Great News, which was um, Tina Fey's protege's yes. show, was set to air Thursdays during the 2017-2018 season, in addition to Superstore and The Good Place. Outside of the holiday specials for Will and Grace and Superstore, again, all four shows had their seasons broken up by Thursday Night Football. But in terms of legacy, uh, as beloved as 30 Rock, The Office, and Parks and Rec are, they do not have the same association with must-see TV as their predecessors, Friends, Seinfeld, or Frasier did. 
Now the meager comedy block on NBC is called Comedy Starts Here. And when I went to go visit their comedy page, not only was it like vaguely confusing because it's a mix of all of the shows that NBC is or all of the networks that NBC is also under the umbrella of. So they're along with E! and Sci-Fi and Peacock. And through all of those, um, I think the only ones that are still airing, uh, comedies that are currently still airing on NBC, the network proper, are American Auto, Grand Crew, which is delightful and I highly recommend, and Young Rock. Everything else I'm sort of like unclear on. But I will say Peacock has had some pretty good original programming in the recent years. And there's a Ryan Johnson show that stars Natasha Lyonne that's coming out, I believe, in January or February, where she basically plays like um, like a Clouseau type character, like a detective, but like way funnier and cooler. And that looks really good. So I hope NBC finds their way. I feel like we used to be beautiful. Like we used to have third rock from the sun, you know, like what are like, let's we can do it again. Can't we? We'll see. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I feel like TGIF, while that will never be again, like it's just a moment in time that cannot happen, I think successfully, at least on Fridays, I feel like ABC in many ways has done a decent job rebranding in the last couple of years finding its foothold in where it stands on a lot of uh, it's being known as like the family comedy network. I think it lost its, its identity in a while. And, and, in, and unfortunately in the mix of that, I'll get into it. There were a lot of really great sitcoms that got canceled. Rest in peace. Happy endings. Um, and be in apartment 23, be in apartment 23 selfie. Like they're just, Oh yeah. Selfie was lot. really good. It was um, really good. I'd say the one thing that ABC does have going for it is their partnership with Hulu, and I know Disney owns Hulu, but I feel like the way that they get the episodes up and the way that they kind of promote them kind of together versus in competition with each other, I feel like that has done wonders for, wonders. Abbott, for Abbott Elementary and any yep. other comedies that they want to introduce going forward. I know that Lauren Smith, who used to write for Watch It Happens Live and is just like a very funny Bravo commentator, she's going to have a show on ABC soon. And I think that just the way that, and I think it has a fighting chance of like actually being successful because they've really leveraged Hulu. Like, Oh, you don't have a DVR or you don't have cable. Like you can watch on Hulu like the next day and people they, being respectful of not like hyping up the episode, but not ruining it on Twitter has really been something to watch. And it's, and I think it's maybe like the way that things are going to go going forward. Hopefully we'll see. Com completely. I, I really agree with you on that front. I think there's, They've done a very good job kind of syncing everything together. The cross promos are well done. Some 
Some are a bit of a stretch, but I think that they've done a good enough job. Like, And there's something kind of consistent about ABC where um, even past TJF, like the mainstay of like every, not every family comedy on ABC, but quite a few of them, they all have the Disney episode, right? They all have an episode in which the family goes to Disney World or Disneyland and has a whole thing. Like it's usually a season opener and a crowd pleaser. But yeah, I think that they have done a really good job where other networks have really struggled as they've been managing their changing landscape and acquiring streaming networks or starting up their own, so on and so forth. Um, But a little more on TJF. So before we get into that, though, a brief on a brief history on ABC's comedy TV blocks. So ABC had a bunch of the classic family sitcoms from the fifties to the seventies. And this one, this includes the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, Leave it to Beaver, the Donna Reed show, the Flintstones, the Brady Bunch and the Partridge family. And those final two aired on Fridays in the early 1970s. So let's skip to the 80s, specifically 1984. It's that year that a recent college grad by the name of Jim Jim Janicek joined ABC as a writer and producer for ABC Entertainment, and he became in charge of promoting the network's Tuesday through Friday night comedy lineups. This position is a very big position to give a 20-something, but the entertainment industry loves to give young white men a chance, I guess. Um, I shouldn't be too much of a dig about it though, because like he was very successful in this endeavor. He is very smart. And according to his LinkedIn, he grew the TGIF Friday night audience at ABC from 6 million to 32 million viewers. So, uh, yes, he was very good at what he did. Um, and there is just a lot that he will shift over at ABC. BuzzFeed had a great video about TJF where they interviewed Janicek, and his idea really was to make Friday night a big TV night again because over the years, it hadn't been. Janicek grew up watching The Wonderful World of Disney with his family, which for a few seasons actually aired on ABC on Friday nights before moving to NBC on Sunday nights. He wanted to create a very family-oriented block of programming on the network. And so before ABC experienced success on Friday nights with TGIF, in the 80s, they actually had some of those hit comedies on Friday nights like Webster, uh, which was on Fridays until 1987 when it was canceled, Benson, which was canceled in the 1985 to 86 season, and Different Strokes, which moved to ABC after being canceled at NBC, only to be canceled by ABC following its eighth and final season. Um, so there were a lot of family sitcoms that were being coming into the landscape over at ABC, and they had a couple of mainstays still with Growing Pains, obviously, um, and then they had um, a new comedy by the name of Roseanne that they decided to make kind of an anchor of their Tuesday night lineup, and it had a comedy block in terms of of, of where it was before on Tuesday, but they would usually follow it with hour-long dramas, which kind of had been a mixed bag. So they had moonlighting on Tuesday nights, but it was like, you know, it was kind of declining in ratings. So Janicek decides to promote this restructured lineup at Tuesday to have more sitcoms. And so he will have Who's the Boss on Tuesday nights, as well as the new hit, Roseanne, which will serve as like a strong anchor for this Tuesday night lineup. So he starts branding all the days of the week. There's like terrific Tuesday is Tuesdays. And then they have a Wednesday branding. They'll have what a Wednesday. And then he decides he wants to have a Friday block of TV. And originally the promos have it listed as the Friday Fun Club, which is 
very summer camp. Uh, but luckily, they decide to change it to TGIF. And TGIF becomes the official first time ABC has a very like branded Friday night primetime programming block. And it's aired at various points over the last 30 years. But its most famous incarnation that we're going to talk mostly about today is in the 1990s. And it was a two-hour block of TV from 8 to 10 p.m. leading into 2020, ABC's then kind of newish news program that I began airing on Fridays in 1987. The name TGIF is obviously a play on Thank God It's Friday, but in promos, it actually stands for Thank Goodness It's Funny because they got to keep it clean. The block initially premiered on September 22nd, 1989, and the block aired with the following four shows. So I watched a promo on YouTube for this like September 22nd, 1989 block, and it was the season three premiere of Full House, which was a very special episode where the family goes on a Hawaii vacation and Uncle Jesse brings Becky. The series premiere of Family Matters, which was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. I totally forgotten this, but the Harriet Winslow is the elevator operator in uh, the building that's where the the one guy works in in Perfect Strangers. And they even did like this whole little cute promo, like a TV special, which they used to do on networks. This is something like another thing we can talk about here is like network TVs used to have these like intro blocks where they would like, I'm going to give you a preview of what's to come for the upcoming fall season. Like it, it used to be a very big thing. And so they had this introduction to family matters. And then we had also the season five premiere of Perfect Strangers in this in this two-hour block. And then finally, the series premiere of Free Spirit, which don't know her, but it was a short-lived sitcom about a witch who moves in as a nanny to help take care of the kids of a recently divorced father. It only aired for half a season. It was canceled in January and then replaced by the Growing Pain spinoff, Just the Ten of Us, which centered on the local high school football coach's large family. TGIF Is this the beginning Mar- of ABC slash Disney spinning off minor <laughs> characters from bigger it, TV shows? It They did it way before the Disney acquisition. I'll, I get into the Disney acquisition because it happens in 1996, 97. Mm, okay. But before the, even before then, they were doing this. And actually, I'm glad you brought this up in the Disney of it all because – what happens is a lot of these shows are produced by Warner Brothers Television or Paramount oh. Television, and that's going to change quite a bit in 1996-97 once the Disney acquisition happens because it means a lot of these shows are no longer going to be ABC shows. But more on that in a second. Um, TJIF marked one of the first attempts by a major network to brand a programming block, which, as I mentioned earlier, was something cable networks had been doing for a while. And the hope was if you as a viewer would tune in to watch Full House of Perfect Strangers, both big hits at the time, you'd also stick around to watch this new spinoff, Family Matters, or Free Spirit, which tanked. But still, the new show execs were really hoping they could get with that 18 to 49 demographic because TGIF was very broad. It was family comedies that they hoped parents could watch with kids. And the block went on to have immense success in the 1990s, establishing ABC as the network that dominated that family sitcom space. You had the Tanners on Full House, the Winslows on Family Matters. You had the Lambert family on Step by Step. And then you had on Tuesdays the Taylor family with Home Improvement, the Connors on Wednesday with Roseanne. And then you had the Seavers on Growing Pains. You had the Matthews family on Boy Meets World and the Sinclairs, thanks to the Dinosaurs, which was also a TGIF mainstay. Three of the four original TGIF lineup shows that I mentioned earlier, Full House, Perfect Strangers, and Family Matters, 
are all Miller Boyette sitcoms, a production company that went through several incarnations over time, but always had Thomas Miller at the helm of them. And Miller Boyette, when it was still Miller Milkis and Miller Milkis Boyette, were responsible for the Gary Marshall sitcom universe of the 70s and 80s. So Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mindy, Joni Loves Chachi. And in the 90s, they had incredible success during TGIF heyday. They will have on the network during the TGIF line, lineup at one point or another, Full House, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Getting By, which would later move to CBS, Going Places, which starred, this is a weird one, starred Alan Ruck, Heather Locklear, Jerry Levine, and Hallie Todd, aka Lizzie McGuire's mom, as four young Hollywood writers renting a house together, which I had never heard of until doing this research. Alan Ruck, aka Connor, aka Conheads Rise Up from Succession. Correct. <laughs> but also, Correct. I just want to quickly circle back. Thank you for bringing up Dinosaurs, a show that I feel like I made up like at a certain point. Like I just feel like it's a collective delusion of millennials because every time I talk about it, it's like describing a dream where you're like, the more I talk about really- it, the further away it, be- <laughs> the further away it gets. Like the baby dinosaur. I had a like uh, a McDonald's toy of yes. that was like the baby dinosaur yes and I don't, my baby gotta love me yes it, it had a little catchphrase and i'm like sometimes it pops into my brain i'm like did that happen or was i just really high the other night and i thought it happened no. like it's, there's nothing that makes you feel crazier than remembering the dinosaurs was a television <laughs> program a very successful one it's it's and so I actually, I'll bring it up in one second because it comes up in my next paragraph God after bless this. bless you, Emily. Thank well, you. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Educating the masses, a.k.a. me. So a few of the other Miller Boyette shows are uh, On Our Own, which starred all of the Smollett siblings. Because I forget, like before, you know, the famous J- Jerry, uh, Jesse and Jesse Smollett, uh, they were famous as children. Like the, totally they're like five, they're five siblings and they all had you know, roles on different shows and then later had this show together. Um, the other shows that Miller Boyette produced are Step by Step, Mego, which lasted a season, and Two of a Kind, the Olsen Twins classic, oh, which please. also only- Two of a Kind only, was appointment viewing. <laughs> appointment viewing that only sadly lasted a season, uh, but Clear great TV. schedule. It's Two of a Kind oh, time. Of course, of course. Clear my nine-year-old um, schedule. <laughs> The other big showrunner over at TJF was Mark Jacob. Michael, sorry, excuse me, not Mark Jacobs. Very different. Uh, the other big. Sh- <laughs> Come here. I'm going to like dress you up in daisies and take photos of you. <laughs> Promote my new fragrance. The second biggest showrunner or company production company was Michael Jacobs. And Margot, the versatility this man had. Hmm. He is responsible for dinosaurs. Boy Meets World, You Wish, which was a sort of 90s I Dream of Genie, but with a male genie, and Teen Angel, which was about a high school kid who dies and comes back as an angel to his best friend. I do remember this one. It was kind of gay. It was kind of gay. And also- like, you just thought they were going to, like, smooch the whole time, and I was sort of, like, in it for that. I was like, oh, are these two going to, like, be in love? They they it, weren't, the, but they were not. It, it wasn't. He really did. He really did. And then the final one that he was known for for the TGIF lineup was a short-lived show called Where I Live, which starred Dougie Doug and Flex Alexander. Um, and I realized this wasn't a part of TGIF, but I have to take a moment to recognize another show that Michael Jacobs created that I learned about while researching called Maybe This Time. And this is the show I was telling you. It's just it's like a fever dream, but I don't I don't remember this. But if anyone who is listening, watch this, please tell us more. It is a 
recently divorced mom star played by Marie Osmond running the family bakery with her mom, Betty White and daughter, Ashley Johnson. So the little attic kid from growing pains. And it also co-starred Craig Ferguson and Dane Cook, Margot. Mm. Your face says it all. Mm. This is like a <laughs> random mishmash of 90s to 2000s who's that is a uh, lot. That's a lot of information uh, coming at me right now. <laughs> How old was Dane Cook when he shot this show? Like in his 20s? Well, yeah, considering he's like a 50-year-old man at this point. Yeah, he's in his 20s. Um, probably around the age time when his uh, now fiance was born. Maybe Don't say after. these things out. Stop. Stop it right now. Actually, I'll I, cancel I, I, you right I, here, right now. I feel like the show aired before she was born. Oh, God. I, I know. Like it's no. so gross. I, <laughs> anyway, I'll get away from this. Jeff Franklin Productions, obviously one of the production houses behind Full House, and Jeff Franklin created Full House. He was also behind Hanging with Mr. Cooper, which was another big TGIF mainstay, which starred Mark Curry and Holly Pete Robinson Pete. Around 96 to 97, ABC is acquired by Disney. And with that came a huge shift in the programming block at ABC, including a shift within TGIF. And part of that would be going towards a much more teen young adult audience versus having just like your classic family sitcom um, and really marketing that tween market. So Warner Brothers realized that Disney's purchase of ABC meant the end of their relationship. And so... Um, they picked up Family Matters and Step by Step, which were all Warner Brothers shows. And then they went over to CBS and then they created a TGIF competitor called the CBS Block Party, which failed miserably um, and actually signified the end of both of those shows. I think that was like they had each one, one or two seasons over at CBS and then promptly ended, unfortunately. Um, while the last few seasons of TGIF programming have a lot of mid-season replacements and shows that were moved around, including Clueless, which we've talked about on our podcast, um, that went over to UPN, and then the Hughleys and several shows we mentioned earlier, um, the real mainstays during the final era of like the golden times of TGIF are going to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch, obviously, and Boy Meets World. Um, those two were consistently a part of the lineup until the end of TGIF in 2000 when Boy Meets World ended and Sabrina, at least in this incarnation, was canceled. And the golden era of TGIF, if you will, ended after 11 years on September 8th, 2000. What happened, you might ask? So before you ask that, remind yourself around when you stopped staying home Friday nights to watch live TV. When I thought about it personally, I realized I was around it was around this time that I wasn't staying at home anymore to watch TV on Friday nights. Usually at most we were renting a movie, but it was not always like must, you know, sit down, watch this episode at this point. Um, obviously I mentioned earlier the acquisition by ABC switched things around. There were cancellations that happened and Sabrina eventually was revived on the WB and had a pseudo college years reboot, if you will, with some old and new cast members. Um, but other shows that TJF tried to make a thing like You Wish, Teen Angel, Mego, which was another Bronson Pin show led sitcom, only lasted a season. And another big reason for its demise is that Disney, the Disney Channel specifically, decided to really market more towards that tween audience and started creating original programming, which meant Friday nights were now over, were a big thing over at the Disney Channel. And so they had Lizzie McGuire and later That's So Raven. So the audience that had been tied to TGIF before was now slowly moving over to Disney. And with that, ABC moved away from the family sitcom on Friday nights and rebranded their comedy block 
on Friday to call it Working Comedy from 2000 to 2001. Do you remember this title? Not at all. It's terrible. For good reason, apparently. Absolutely horrible. And it featured two guys, a girl, and a pizza place, which had been on TGIF Mm -hmm. at one point. They retitled it Two Guys and a Girl, and they had moved it to a Friday night show. It starred Trailer Howard, young Ryan Reynolds, um, Nathan Fillion, Richard Riccolo, and Suzanne Cryer. They also had Norm, which was Norm McDonald's show. And then they had The Trouble with Normal and Madigan Men, which like don't know her or her. But ultimately, this block was a failure and the network began airing dramas and the newly famous reality TV shows on ABC, such as The Mole, on Fridays. Do you remember The Mole? Yeah, because they just rebooted it on Netflix and it was supposed oh my to be God, really right. good. I've heard good things. I have to check that out. I just um what I love the most about the mole reboot is that the exact same discourse that happened when the mole initially premiered which is like you're be- you're engaging in very mole like behavior has now carried on to present day. <laughs> Where you just think everybody's a mole. Um everybody. I, I re- actually really loved the celebrity season of the mole. I remember that. But I haven't gotten around to watching the reboot, but I have I'm I'm convinced that I I will like it though. I I'm going to check it out for sure. TGIF would experience its first revival on September 26, 2003, but only lasted two seasons, ending in September of 2005. This lineup included George Lopez, Life with Bonnie, starring Bonnie Hunt, Married to the Kellys, a short-lived sitcom starring Breckenmeyer, and Hope and Faith, starring Kelly Ripa and Faith Ford. The Breckenmeyer one was very weird. Like, he's an only child city guy who falls in love with, like, a, a, a small town girl who moved to New York, and they move back to, like, rural Kansas and she comes from a large family and he's like fish out of water you know what was that, that like bell show that was on ABC oh, yeah I, I don't wrote, remember but I know what you're talking about I know and I wrote a fucking spec for this goddamn show and I don't even remember what it's called <laughs> but I did enjoy what I watched there <laughs> was so that Brecken many- Meyer show sounds like and there were so many shows at this time that had like similar concepts mm-hmm. um big city fish out of water business Yep. Yep. Very city slickers. Um, As you can see, the sitcoms had really more of an emphasis on being tied to a famous personality with like a launching point for George Lopez or Bonnie Hunt or um, Kelly Ripa. And this lineup, unfortunately, was consistently in second or even third place. So ABC tried to boost it by adding eight simple rules to the Friday lineup. but It couldn't really help it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, of course, John Ritter passed away. And so I think that's when the ratings over there started to tank. After 2005, the network stuck to reality TVs on Fridays until 2012 when they finally brought back sitcoms. And it was a mixed bag. They were clearly trying to appeal to different audiences at that night, including an older, more conservative crowd with the newly named ABC Comedy Friday uh, by airing Tim Allen's Last Man Standing and Reba McIntyre's new show Malibu Country. But then they added one of our favorite shows, Happy Endings, to the mix, which was a kiss of death and considered a big factor in why the show didn't go past three seasons. Because, like, who is watching? I love my queen, Reba. But, like, who is watching Tim Allen's show and Reba McIntyre's show and then wanting to watch Happy Endings? Like, it is just a, uh, like, crazy lineup. Like, I just don't know what the execs over there were thinking. Um The time in ABC was a period of identity crisis, and as a result, a lot of show casualties that we talked about earlier, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, Happy Ending, Selfie, all great shows that didn't get the chance they deserved because ABC just decided to, like, wipe clean everything and try to start anew. 
And so ABC tried to launch a lot of shows around this time on Friday nights, including Christella, Dr. Ken, which only lasted for two seasons. Oh, yeah. But the network, yeah, decided to return back to drama on Fridays for the tw- tw- uh, 2017 to 2018 season, albeit unsuccessfully. And after one last TGIF revival for the 2018 to 2019 season, which featured Fresh Off the Boat and Speechless, ABC decided to not bring back TJF and today Friday nights on ABC are solely for Shark Tank from 8 to 9 and 2020 which is now 2 hours from 9 to 11. Hello In sharks. Turn, this is the longest hello, block of television of all time. In terms of TG specific branding, of course, I had to mention the 2010s had TGIT, thank God it's Thursday, which featured Shonda Rhimes' ratings, juggernauts, Grey's Anatomy scandal, and how to get away with murder. And ABC has had plenty of hit family sitcoms these past few decades, most recently with Modern Family, Blackish, Fresh Off the Boat, which all three recently ended, and the Goldbergs, Home Economics, and the Connors. The Roseanne reboot sounds Roseanne because she said some pretty awful things. Wednesday has become their family sitcom night, and Friday is no longer a night where ABC, let alone any network, will really air sitcoms they want to succeed because it is usually a kiss of death to this day. And that is my TGIF spiel. Do you have any final thoughts, comments, remarks? I think if network TV can get a little outside the box, uh, give something, you know, do what Sorry to always bring it back to Bravo and Housewives, but not cut a show after one season not doing so well. Maybe give a little bit. And I think NBC is definitely doing that because I don't think that like American Auto and Grand Crew are necessarily ratings juggernauts. But I would love to see some network TVs try to build and maintain. Give it a year. Give it two years and try to have like a must-see TV, appointment viewing TV block. It doesn't even need to be three hours. We don't need to do it like that. But like, and have it translate onto your streaming app and see if that can get us anywhere. Because yeah. network comedies are so few and far between. And I know that CBS has had some success. You know, like Bob Loves Abishola is against all odds still on the sh- still on the air. Is so it is, really? I do. I do believe I saw a promo as recently wow. as this fall. Um, young Sheldon, like there are so many like corny sitcoms, and that's just because I don't know someone just didn't bother. And also, we should really stop turning to Nielsen ratings, who still make you record things in a book as if we are in fucking like Oregon Trail era. It, it really only benefits Chuck Lorre right now. That's, that's truly so. Like, if we can just <laughs> maybe stop measuring things by like a Chuck Lorre yardstick, which like who even wants? I mean, other than his um, massive amount some money. W- should we really be using this man as like a beacon of like what's going to work on comedy or on network TV comedy is like, I don't know. But if we could just Never. sort of lean into the Abbott Elementary, lean into the grand crew of it all and just start like trying to build some buzzy blocks, I would just really love some more centralized of a viewing experience because right now it's Abbott Elementary, sometimes when what we do in Shadows is back, that and then HBO is the only one that manages to like do it right. So I don't know. I would really love to see the return of something really goofy, like a network wide blackout episode. Like, I just think that's so corny and fun. And we're missing a little bit of fun because we're also data and money driven that we forget that, like, this is supposed to be entertaining. And maybe we don't need to, like, shoehorn in like a Neutrogena spawn con in the middle of an episode. I don't know. Just some food for thought. 
I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. And what you just reminded me about the data driven of it all. Um, this is where I think Reboot has just yes. been such a great show. <laughs> Getting the vice president of comedy at Hulu, being a woman whose like background is strictly in data analytics and being a data scientist for the startup that was acquired by another startup that was acquired by another startup that was acquired by Hulu. <laughs> I mean, I think that her character kind of represents a lot of what's missing from network comedies nowadays. Yeah. Like it could even be a sitcom. I don't really, I think we, we're we so deprived of like a decent network comedy block that I would even take a laugh track at this point. I'm like, if it's funny, then I don't care if there's a laugh track. Like it used to be the end of comedy if you had a laugh track, but now it's like, I'll take whatever, as long as we're just like trying to do something a little bit different. I agree. Well, I think that about covers it. Um, We want to thank you again for listening to our delightful podcast. Um, We really appreciate the support you give us and um, for coming back every week to listen to this great show. But for those of you who are new, uh, welcome. We have this podcast and you can find it anywhere you listen to your podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon, Google, wherever that may be, check us out. If that particular hosting platform has a way to leave a rating or a review, we'd really appreciate it if you could do that. That would really help us out. So thanks. Additionally, if you love this content and you want more, 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 you can find us on Patreon. Yes, we have a Patreon. For $5 a month, you can join the Old Millennial Cinematic Universe and get two pieces of bonus content a month. And guess what? If you join right now, uh, November and December are going to have not two, but three pieces of bonus content. So we hope you will join us over there. Additionally, you can find us on social media. We are at the Old Millennials Pod on both Instagram and Facebook. And finally, individually, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Emily A. Beijing. I am at Marg Shiro. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with juvederm volbella xc and juvederm ultra xc your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at juvederm.com today that's j-u-v-e-d-e-r-m.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with juvederm volbella xc or juvederm ultra xc do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.